Hello, I'm Gareth Carpenter, Farmer Editor at Informer Markets, and I'd like to extend a very warm welcome to you all for this very first CPHI podcast of 2021. This monthly series aims to showcase various insights into the major issues affecting pharmaceutical development and distribution. Today, we're going to not only discuss the vast array of challenges and opportunities around the digital transformation in pharmaceutical supply chains, but also the effect a hugely traumatic 2020 had on the ingredients manufacturing sector's perception of digitalization and whether it speeded up companies' take-up of new technologies. Here I am, joined by Stefan Schmidinger, partner at Chemiex, a digital trade platform for buyers, distributors and manufacturers of APIs and vitamins, and Florian Hildebrand, managing partner at Qualifies, an online platform for GXP audits connecting pharma companies, suppliers and auditors. Stefan and Florian, welcome to both of you and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks for having us. To first kick off the discussion, I'd just like to ask you guys, manufacturing and supply of active pharmaceutical ingredients and excipients, it's a highly regulated sector as we know. There's a myriad of quality considerations that go right across the entire value chain. In a nutshell, for our audience, what are the key benefits for producers, buyers and sellers of pharmaceutical ingredients of adopting a more digitalized mindset? And if I could start with you, Stefan. Thanks, Garrett. So as we have all experienced firsthand, this pandemic forced companies operating in in the API sector to rewrite at least some chapters of the rule book with purchase and sales experts unable to travel on business or meet physically at trade shows. So companies have started looking into digitizing workflows to enable work from distributed places and home, new ways of identifying new business partners as well as capturing various benefits from smart software solutions. So be it for supply chain intelligence, procurement, e-commerce, factory operations, and many, many other topics. So it's not just the economic benefits, such as achieving better terms, speed to market, efficiency, trade compliance, or integrated communication of now multiple channels, but also new mindsets of people that call for new solutions. Imagine, I mean, 59% of buyers today are millennials with a mobile-first attitude. So the only reason not to change existing ways of doing things is that profitability of many companies in formulations and finished products remains significant. However, uh, an unprecedented number of companies became very cost-conscious for the first time, transforming their business and closely managing their project portfolios to leave the crisis as strong a company. Florian can tell you more about immediate savings in time, money and useless travel and emissions that, for instance, their solution offers to quality departments. Yeah, thanks for the answer and the transition. So I guess COVID has really shown us that there is a need to change and that also some companies have already started this change in the past, which what we have seen, some companies were much faster to adopt to the new ways of working, whereas others are still kind of lagging behind a bit. And essentially what the digitalization and also digital mindsets like bring is a different access to information, especially in these unsecure times, having more information and having more detailed view of the supply chain of your suppliers and partners will essentially differentiate if you are a crisis winner or a crisis loser. And this is why people are starting to adopt this much more. So if you look at our business model, so what we are essentially doing is 
we're trying to create a global network of supplier data and enabling companies to exchange data on their suppliers. And historically, information on your suppliers and your supply chain has always been seen as proprietary and very confidential and a huge advantage compared to your competitors. And with the digital age coming and also, you know, the, the limitations that has come through less personal interactions, these historic mindsets are, are breaking up and sharing information and leveraging digital networks is more and more seen as a, as a benefit compared to a risk. I see. You mentioned, obviously, the pandemic. And as you know, we've just concluded an extremely challenging year. And if we were to ask the world's population how they were to judge 2020, I think most people would say that, firstly, they're glad to see the back of it. And secondly, they're very hopeful of a much better 12 months ahead in 2021. Before last year, API manufacturers and traders, they were cautiously welcoming the digital revolution. But now with the events of last year and pandemic, it seems they're now more ready to embrace it with open arms. How would you both summarise 2020 in terms of the pharma industry's appetite for digital solutions? Was it that real landmark year when pharma truly decided to go digital? Indeed, we all can't wait to go out and meet people again like we used to do before Corona. So I think human pharma is a traditional and profitable sector, so there's often less external pressure to change fast for the matter of survival, even during the pandemic. Yet I know many companies that are seriously looking into adopting digital CRM and communication software, implementing smart factories, robotics, big data or other technologies. So in terms of B2B commerce, pharma is certainly a slow adopter. However, a canary in the coal mine could be how related industries such as feed and food additives, such as vitamins and other chemicals fared in 2020. And I can assure you firsthand that we have seen an explosion in adoption rates in 2020, and we expect it to continue in 2021. Funny enough, and as companies are scouting new technologies, some of my clients told me if I knew about qualifies, as it helped them quite a bit to save money streamline and meet their quality requirements. So I guess, Florian, it's a quite a pivotal year for you too, right? Yes, indeed. And, and I agree also with your assessment. So I, I think we also have a similar view. So this year has shown that people need to adapt their ways of working. And I think first level of digitalization was on the internal process side. So making sure that when people can't come to the office, the communication still works and everybody suddenly got used to using Zoom or Teams, which were things which also last year or well, actually in 2019 weren't really possible. So in 2019, I actually had to travel to nearly 100 companies myself to do uh, an introduction of our company. And this personal interaction was very much appreciated. Now with the pandemic, most of these meetings are now happening online through video calls and everybody's used to doing that. So I think this was the first level of change. And then the second level of change which will happen is most likely to then affect the actual manufacturing processes, supply chains, the way that APIs and other materials are purchased online, which is much more common now than it was 12 months ago. And also for us, I mean, we are offering immediate cost savings in terms of supplier audits. And historically, our customer base was made out of SMEs, which wouldn't have the resources to travel to far locations to actually qualify their suppliers. But this year, we've also seen many larger companies adopting our services purely because there are either costs and budget restrictions because, you know, also the pharmaceutical industry, there are some winners and some losers. I mean, if you especially look at 
people which would do traditional medicine against like, uh, you know, having a regular cold. Obviously, these companies suffered a bit, but then there are also some winners. But essentially, what is in common is these global travel restrictions, which also forced larger companies to realize these cost savings and realizing the access of having a, a global network of auditors. I'd like to draw your attention, gentlemen, to a survey conducted last year by Pharmaceutical Manufacturing Magazine. And in this survey, nearly one quarter respondents said the area of pharmaceutical manufacturing that would most benefit from increased digitalization was supply chain management. This was the second most popular response behind plant floor production. In what ways do you think a digital approach could be utilized to enhance API supply chains? Our company, Kenyax, area of expertise is procurement, supply chains, marketing and sales, and to some extent, the quality uh, topic, right? So there are many benefits and a growing number of solutions for supply chains, such as for freight, track and trace, trade compliance and communications, document management, or integrated platform services, such as credit insurance, just to name a few. Noteworthy, in the second quarter of 2020, we were approached by several regulators, as well as leading ERP software providers and market intelligence companies, as the Western world was facing a shortage of drugs and medicines, looking for data and insights to understand the situation and help to formulate new policies and mitigation tools. The talks are not over yet, as platforms generate big data that can lead to unique macro insights on the state of a sector and more importantly, without unveiling business secrecy or competitive advantage of single participants. For me, it's very fulfilling to have a collaborative approach with the industry to find such new solutions for real-world problems. And that's why we are also pleased to exchange and learn from companies such as Qualifies. My answer will go in a very similar direction. And I think now that we have, as Stefan has pointed out, shortage of materials due to closed harbors, closed trade routes, Naturally, companies look for alternative ways of actually getting their APIs and other materials. And if you look at KMEX, for example, which offer just a much more also, I would say, joyful way, not just secure, but also I think the immediate benefits for the people, which are obviously still buying materials, then you can see that once they have actually experienced this and kind of don't want to go back, I think going forward, also a huge change to not just have a short-term change, but to have a lasting impact on the industry. and. I agree. With more access to data and people start to exchange more, you will have ways to have better risk management. You may be able to better predictions on certain shortages or in terms of pricing. Is pricing likely to go up or down? And when is the, the best moment to purchase? And in addition, with this kind of unlimited global network and with people being able to join such a network in a couple of seconds, literally, it will be also much easier to find alternatives to just map the entire supply chain to see where things are coming from. And then also, finally, we realized, I think, that, that there's a huge dependency in many APIs on Asia and especially China and India. And whilst we were in industry, we're obviously aware of this problem. This has also now been adopted in the wider population, which I think is also a great driver for change. So I appreciate very much the initiatives that Sanofi is also taking with opening more API factories now, now in Europe to also have a more balanced distribution and, and, and supply of, of APIs across the globe. And that leads quite nicely on to what I'd like to talk about next, which is basically how far down the digitalization road 
pharma has come. Um, in that same pharmaceutical manufacturing survey, when asked to evaluate the pharma industry's collective progress in terms of digital take-up, 41% of vendors, many of whom, like yourselves, are selling digital technologies to pharma companies, thought the pharma industry is still at that starting gate stage. Around 46% said that they were in the middle stage, which translates to identifying early applications to pilot. Only 13% believe the pharma industry has reached that crucial investment stage. So, Stefan and Florian, to put you on the spot, which answer would you give to this question and why? As mentioned earlier, pharma is a very traditional, on the one hand, many companies are even more profitable than before the crisis. So, little external pressure for many. Using the terms of uh, the technology adoption cycle model, I would agree that pharma is somewhere in between early adoption and early majority. Some way to go still to convince the late majority and the laggards. But companies as SAP or Microsoft, they're increasingly focusing on this pharmaceutical and chemical sector. And, and we've been in several selection procedures of companies upgrading their ERP systems, be it for procurement or market intelligence platforms. So, What's your experience, Flo? I would say very similar. So probably uh, around early adopters uh, stage. And I think there are two reasons. So like you said, it's very traditional. And I think in the past, there was not really a need to change due to the high amount of profits. And at the same time, there's a huge regulatory complexity, which really slows down innovation as well. And yes, we said earlier with... Uh, immediate need to increase digital collaboration between the people because nobody was coming to the office anymore. There was an urgent need to change and people and companies were quite fast to, to adopt this, but they had still adopting more complex digital technologies in the supply chain. There are still some regulatory boundaries. I mean, we can talk about remote audits, for example, which in 2020 was pretty much only way to still be able to get somewhat of data of your suppliers and to perform somehow audits. But yet still in regulatory discussions, this is not something which is fully accepted. So regulatory bodies would still persist on doing on-site audits. Similar stories are when you we want to talk about our digital platform, which has a document storage for audit reports where companies have long-term guaranteed access to their documents. But in order to really adopt this as the single source of truth for them, there is a huge amount of yeah, regulatory tasks that you have to fulfill in order for the companies to really adopt these systems. And this makes it especially difficult for new entrants because there's such like pretty much really long checklists that you have to fulfill in order to become adopted as a major system. And uh, this is why I think the pharmaceutical industry is still quite early in terms of digital adoption and, and readiness. I mean, that's a good point you make about the uh, regulatory obstacles to this issue. What do you see as the main challenges to the sector from increasing their digital foothold? <laughs> Certainly time. And beyond that, I guess the mindsets, hierarchies and politics of senior management, company owners and, and some of the employees or gatekeepers who do not want to change a comfortable status quo. Many are well off a few years from retirement and far away from new technologies or understanding the requirements of their younger staff. I'm hearing more often that sector companies struggle to find or retain young talents who prefer to work for more open-minded industrial or technology companies. So a recent article by German Handelsblatt, which I found very interesting, covered the topic of adding digital natives to corporate advisory boards. 
a nice idea, I find, to overcome the technology bias among different age groups inside a company. Yeah, I mean, 100% agree. I think mindset is the biggest challenge. And if you look at companies getting digital talent, I mean, if I look at my time in 2019, traveling through Germany on the train to these far off locations where the factories are located, those were not, I would say, the locations where you would probably get the A-class students from top universities, because it's, I would say, not really attractive for millennials and, and our generations to work and live in these places. No Wi-Fi, no 3G connection, not really ways to go out. I mean, before COVID, obviously, everybody enjoyed to go out. And I think this makes it extremely difficult for those companies to get those people. For us, I would say maybe even more important, also on the regulatory side, I mean, if you look at people which would traditionally create policies, those were not the core digital natives that see a big benefit in adopting these technologies. And so I guess the statement of time is very relevant. Uh, it takes more time until we have really a digital mindset in companies, but also on the regulatory side to push this. And this is the, the biggest challenge. And finally, gentlemen, looking ahead to the future, do you see any new areas in pharmaceutical ingredients supply that could be ripe for this digital transformation that we've been discussing? So in our area of buying, selling and marketing intel, it's more of an evolution. I trust there are more disruptive trends in, in building smart factories and production, robotics, sensors, R&D to develop new drugs or a growing sector of consumer health applications. So my own sincere wish for 2021 is that the current freight situation will be resolved soon, not to end up in a perfect storm and a averse supply situation than last year that time. So that would be my first wish for this year. And I would probably answer in line of what we are doing, the quality side. And I'm, when, when Stefan has now said evolution, I'm not sure if this is for us an evolution or revolution, probably somewhere in, in between. And it goes together with the mind, mindset shift, but then also there are some advanced technologies to do more AI-driven analytics in terms of data. But the core change that hopefully is going to come is how people really use data on, on supply chains and on the quality side, compare uh, certain outcomes from audit reports to benchmark their supply base, and then potentially change suppliers, work together with suppliers to improve the own quality level of the supply chain, and for us, this is the wish that we have and the technology is already there. It's now a question of adopting it and making sure that we are reaping the benefits on a, on a large scale. Well, let's hope that 2021 does turn out to be a better year than 2020. Stefan and Florian, thank you very much for your insights today and thanks for joining us. Thank you both thank you very much. That's it for this month's edition of the CPHI podcast, addressing the major issues impacting pharma supply chains. Thank you very much for listening, and we look forward to joining you again next month when we'll be casting an eye over Pharma 4.0, the holistic operating model of the smart pharma facilities of the future. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant day ahead. Mm -hmm.